Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the High Performance Podcast. On a Friday, we like to do something a bit different and we just like to reflect on conversations we've had in the past or lessons that we've learned from the amazing guests who've joined us. And it's UK Mental Health Awareness Week and um, we've had so many incredible conversations with people who understand the power of sharing, understand the vital, vital importance of talking and Please, if you're struggling, make sure you do talk to someone, talk to a friend, talk to a professional, but don't keep it bottled up. And actually, the conversations we've had on this podcast, even if myself and Damien are not, you know, qualified therapists, the the freedom that our guests have told us they feel when they've had these conversations and the incredible messages that we get from people who have heard these conversations and have either been inspired to seek help themselves or to, to talk to a partner or a friend or a colleague about things they've never opened up about before. That is the power of these kinds of conversations. And we really, truly believe that talking can heal so many things. So let's bring Damien into the conversation. What is the science and the research behind the importance of talking in a situation like this? Well, the idea of just externalising some of our problems, it gives us a sense of perspective, Jake. I think it gives us the ability to get a differing viewpoint. But more importantly, it just allows us to step outside of our own heads. I thought I'd share a quote that really resonated with me around mental health from the brilliant author Matt Haig, who said that, Mental health problems don't define who you are. They're just something you merely experience. You walk in the rain and you feel the rain, but you're not the rain, is what Matt describes it as. And I think that sort of sums up nicely what uh, we're talking about here, that we all like think of mental health as a spectrum. Every one of us has mental health, but some of us maybe struggle 
at times with that and some of us sometimes feel vibrant and feel that it's fine so everybody has mental health it's sometimes when we experience problems we just need the ability to see them for what they are rather than let them define us or define our lives and what are your thoughts on why a platform like high performance can at times be an important place for people to come and share their their problems it's a really good question and i think it goes to the heart of what we try to do on the podcast Jay, which is about take the lessons from the lived experiences of our brilliant guests and then help people translate them and i think every one of us if we're going to talk about lived experiences has had times where maybe our confidence has been rocked or we feel vulnerable or we often speak about imposter syndrome so i think everybody does that and i think the more people talk about it and see that they're safe to do so that in a way where they can share it without feeling judged or belittled or silly for it it encourages others to do and share equally so so i think it's a consistent trait of every one of our high performers in nearly 200 episodes that nobody gets through this unscathed without occasionally being rocked and hopefully for people that are listening to it that maybe are at a similar place it gives them the confidence that they're not alone and i love what you say about not being judged and i think that's the most important thing you know this podcast is not here to judge people we don't judge um, why they've come on the podcast, what they tell us on the podcast, um, why they choose to share these thoughts on high performance, what we do know from the messages and the conversations that we have um, with you, our listeners, is that this stuff really helps. So let's share some of the things that we've heard then on the high performance podcast. We're going to start with the former England rugby player, Danny Cipriani, who was one of the most lauded, celebrated, wonderful rugby players of his generation. What people didn't understand was what was going on beneath the surface. And this plays to so many things that we talk about on high performance. We don't believe in opinion. We believe in empathy. And so often you have an opinion that just because someone's life looks great, it must be. The truth is that when you scratch beneath the surface and you put empathy, not opinion, at the heart of your thought process, you realise what was really going on. Here's what Danny told us. I've been in the paper a lot about, you know, my personal life with with, with with women and such and mistakes like, you know, in issues that uh, had just happened and I was on the front page and it was just negative stories. It was just decision-making that it wasn't even decision-making. I felt like it was who I was in my program and I was just doing it and, And to like face yourself in those moments, you push it down. You don't, you don't, you don't sit there and be like, what am I doing? You just carry on behaving in a certain way, you know, trying to find an escape, whatever that would have been. And for me, it was, um, you know, it would have been women or it would have been taking a painkiller or it would have been, you know, whatever it would have been because that would have numbed me enough for that point to feel okay. Escaping what? My thoughts, my feelings, my, my not feeling good enough, you know, the way people spoke about me, like I felt very alone a long time, but that's also because I wasn't really facing myself and accepting and looking at myself and not taking accountability for my behaviors as well as just the life I was in. You know, I was speaking to my physio about it the other day about a lot of my experiences and like he's an angel of a human being. Kevin Lidlow is a shout out. He's just an angel. He's the type of physio who put his hands on you and He'll know exactly what's up with you. But I was speaking to him and he was like, I don't think you should take so much, 
pressure on yourself because you know you're in a position where women put themselves in front of you but i'm like ultimately i wouldn't want my son or my daughter behaving in that way because i want to bring them up with the right type of um love and and care and focus for everyone and it's not i didn't have that i was just quite entitled confident living my life and not really being guided in how to behave or anything it was such a fascinating conversation wasn't it with danny cipriani damien and i think um one of the key messages from that is that a lot of people have come on this podcast and told us that when they're successful when things feel like they're in flow or when things are great and yet they're still struggling with their mental health challenges that actually just exasperates the problem because then they think to themselves well will I ever be okay if if all of this great stuff's happening and I'm still not happy or I'm still not content or I'm still not free of my mental health challenges well yeah definitely and I think that's what Danny was a great example of it that he had the world at his feet in a professional sense and yet what he told us was he just wanted somebody to care about him. He just wanted a coach to put their arm on the shoulder and see him for who he was rather than the player that they thought he could be. And I think that speaks to the heart of where one of the biggest predictors of mental health challenges is often when we feel isolated or alone. You know, I remember Danny speaking really movingly how that uh, he said his father was black, his mother was white, so he never quite fitted in either world. He came from a council estate and yet went to one of Britain's best public schools. So he never quite fitted in that environment as well. And a lot of what people described as his destructive behaviours, like going out partying, was all just a desire to somehow fit in, to be accepted in the dressing room culture where he was just a young boy. So I think there's a big message here for anyone that might be struggling is that make sure that you're surrounded by people that have got your back, that just accept you for who you are and want the best for you, regardless of what they think they can gain from being in your company. Let's uh, let's turn our attention now to Courtney Black, who has created one of the most incredible um, health platforms on the internet. She is a bundle of energy. She's an incredible person to be around. She's done amazing things. And it was remarkable, wasn't it, Damien, for her to sit and explain to us that despite all of those things that society would deem successful and brilliant and amazing, she told us that she was crippled with anxiety self-loathing and and just hating herself and it's a very common conversation we've had on this podcast yeah and again i think if we go back into the into understanding why it, albert ellis one of the sort of modern day so one of the founding fathers of the modern day psychology movement talks about we all get engaged in crooked thinking sometimes our thoughts can often trip us up and one aspect of crooked thinking is perfectionism believing that if it's not perfect, it isn't worth anything. And Courtney was really great and articulate at explaining how she felt that perfectionism was something that eventually blighted her life. She thought she had to look perfect. She thought everything she did had to be perfect. And that ended up creating that self-loathing that when she looked in the mirror, she saw somebody that wasn't perfect, but couldn't accept herself for who she was. So let's have a listen to Courtney explaining that very point from when she sat down with us, Jake. When I was dancing, I was crippled with this like horrible feeling of like self-loathing and hated everything about myself. And I went, I took that into school. I took that into relationships. I took that into obviously 
getting older and having that eating disorder and being that judgmental person. I remember I rang my mum during the first lockdown and I called her and I said, mum, I cannot believe how happy I am. And I've been so unhappy for so many years. And it's because every single morning I woke up and I pinched myself. I woke up and I judged myself. I woke up and I said everything that I hated about myself. I woke up and I thought everything was dependent on looks. Everyone was judging me. I mean, I was really, really skinny. And even then, like, I got people coming up to me in the gym and saying, are you okay? Like, do you need some help? But none of my family ever noticed it. I mean, they used to say to me, when I used to go to the family parties and they didn't know that I was taking food in the toilet, chewing it out, spitting it out, and in the absolute depth of it, they just thought I was being miserable. They thought I was being moody. They said to me, why is Courtney not interacting? Why is Courtney, like, picking at her food? And that's the worst thing you can say to someone when they're in the depth of an eating disorder is, why are you doing that? Look, if if the things that Courtney says there resonate with you um, and you find yourself stuck in this perfectionism cycle, just look at the things that you do in your everyday life that perhaps are not helpful for you. I mean, one of the things I've had to do is stop looking at Instagram. And this is the, one of the things I really struggle with, Damien, is is the perfection that society throws our way. And I, I worry so much about the young generation growing up in this era of social media, which we didn't, because we have to remind ourselves that people only put stuff on their Instagram and their TikTok and their Facebook and their Twitter when they've nailed it, when they've done it, you know, we no longer see the process anymore. We just see the outcome and the outcome is perfection. And there, and then we compare our own struggles to other people's perfection. And then it just leads to this constant conversation on our heads about not being good enough. And, you know, who do people speak to most in the day? It isn't their parents. It isn't their cousins or their friends or their colleagues or their children or anyone else. It's themselves. And if that conversation is not healthy, um, then it really can lead you down a, a tricky path. Well, definitely. I mean, just just yesterday, two psychologists that I hugely admire, one is a far former guest, Adam Grant. He put out a, a post that was related to research from another psychologist called Jonathan Haidt around the evidence. It's a study done with over 27,000 uh, people, Jake, that says that owning a smartphone at a young age is a great predictor of having lower self-worth, motivation and resilience. And actually access to that smartphone increases the likelihood of sadness, anxiety and aggression, especially for young girls. So the point is that smartphones and our access to all these kinds of apps actually sets us up to have poor mental health as adults. So what you're what you've described about stepping away from um, Instagram and all those other apps is actually really healthy for you as well as for uh, Flo and Seb as well that are going to follow your lead. By the way, I'm not great at it. I still find myself getting sucked into the rabbit hole. It's just, <laughs> it's just a bit <laughs> less time. It's just like if I can be on there for five minutes, not five hours, and try my best not to get triggered, then. Uh, then I think, you know, you're moving in the right direction. But again, you can't chase perfection, right? You know, please, if you're a parent listening to this, because I'm a parent and I'm suddenly thinking, oh man, my daughter's obsessed with having a mobile phone and she uses one of Harriet's old phones. It doesn't have a SIM card, but she loves carrying it around and looking at it and things. And she's 10 years old. Like, you know, don't feel like just because you haven't got something right that you're a poor parent or you're a bad friend or you're an awful partner or child you know all of us are just doing our best and in almost 200 episodes of the high performance podcast you know we've broken down high performance to doing the best you can where you are with what you've got 
And in many ways, that plays into what Mike Cavendish came on and spoke to us about Damien, because he tried to do the best he could where he was with what he had, um, but he still struggled and eventually was diagnosed with clinical depression. This is him telling us in his words. I got diagnosed with clinical depression and I still had Epsom bar in my system. And they were like, okay, maybe you got it. You don't know which way it came. Sure. But it was but like. As a guy with this kind of bulletproof self belief that you'd hardware, you'd use that almost as a weapon to attack others with. How did you process that when they gave you that diagnosis? It was quite nice to have an answer. I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't, you don't feel any, any way. It's not like, like, I think the word depression, people then think you're just going to be sad. You're not even sad. You just don't feel anything, do you know? Yeah. And you can be sad and things, but it's not a sadness. It's like something will get to you. It, it gets to you quite irrationally. Like it doesn't make sense why, why something's annoyed you or why you're irritable about it. So what sort of things in that period would, would you react strangely to? Oh. Like, okay, I know like houses are noisy and kids going up, but like sometimes I'd hear every individual sound that was going on with the kids. And then even, even my wife, Peter, like her walking would be like, I'd, I just want to go out of the house. That's her walking in the house. And she's my best friend, you know, and we'd never argue. We never do. And like stuff like that, like her walking annoying me. Like I think about it now, by the time you don't think about it, and you don't think that's stupid because... You, you don't know that, that whatever's going on, you just, yeah, you either f have no, f no feeling or just the most erratic feelings that don't make sense. Look, Damien, I, after that conversation particularly, we got so many messages and I'll never forget the man that, that messaged to say he was struggling for years. He heard Mark talk about clinical depression. He recognized the signs and the symptoms Mark spoke about. He went to the doctor, he got diagnosed, he got treatment. And for the first time in years, was able to be a decent husband and a decent dad. That is the power of someone like Mark being brave enough to come and speak to us. Yeah, I, I remember that that message as well. He spoke about it was when Mark described the foot the footsteps in his house of his children and his and his wife almost feeling deafening. And he said that was exactly the symptoms he's had that that prompted him to go and seek help. I think there was another powerful point that Mark shared with us when he came and sat down, which was that before he'd suffered with mental health problems, he'd always um, regarded people that used them or cited them as weak you know he was almost dismissive or a little bit um contemptuous of anybody that felt that they had to share them and it was almost the ultimate irony that when he was afflicted with his own challenges it was only then did he come to fully appreciate the power of being able to share them and speak your truth openly so again it goes back to the theme that we said at the start of this discussion jake which is if you feel that you are in a tough moment you're struggling or you do just need a time out find somebody that you can trust that you can open up to and speak to and that can often be the first step of being able to then go on a pathway of recovering your mental health to a place where you feel more productive come on then um let's have one final clip let's hear from one final guest where would you like to take us to damien well, how about we take a sneak preview of a guest that hasn't been on the podcast yet, but it will be dropping soon. Gary Barlow. 
I was recently watching the Coronation concert where uh, him and his bandmates from Take That headlined it. And it was really interesting to see a man that was so full of life, that was vibrant and just so brilliantly creative uh, doing his thing. But my mind immediately went back to the story he told us of his wilderness years when he'd left Take That first time and he'd set up on a solo career and then um, it had crashed and burned spectacularly at the same time that his former bandmate Robbie Williams was in the ascendancy. And he spoke was really powerfully about the sense of shame that he had, that he'd almost failed for the first time and didn't feel he had the skills or the resources to be able to cope with it. And again, there's a common theme here. He chose not to talk about this with anybody, especially not the person that was closest to him, his wife. Let's listen to what he had to say about how he handled it badly in those years. There was no way I could ever see myself recording or singing. I'd, I'd stopped singing completely, stopped playing on a piano, and I hadn't done anything for, for, for like three years, I'm going to say. Right. Um, and it was driving me crazy. So what's your day look like at this point in your life? So it was an interesting one because as, as my sort of career life went down the toilet, my personal life was on and up because we'd had two kids. Right. And so, um, so life was, life outside the studio was great. And so I'd do this thing where I hear this a lot, where I'd say, all right, I'm going into the studio now, everybody. And dad would go off to do his day's work and I'd literally sit in there and I'd just be looking around the room thinking, what am I going to do? What, what, have I, what, what could I do that would be useful to anything? And I'd sit in there and I'd look at the clock and I'd come out at four and go, anyway, that was a good day. And I'd, I'd act this day of being in the studio, pretending I was doing so. I was doing nothing. And some days just sort of watching the piano, thinking, I used to write big hits on that thing. And I just, it was, it was, it was slowly going insane, really. Really? Yeah. Felt that yeah. bad? Oh, it, it, was, it was really dark. So there you go. That's Gary Barlow revealing what life was really like in his darkest times. And that's an episode coming soon on the High Performance Podcast. The reason why I think it's important to finish with that, Damien, is because as someone who's been through my own mental health challenges over the years, I always remind people if they're in a dark place or a difficult place that everything passes. And Gary is the perfect example of someone who is testament to the fact that life couldn't have got much bleaker for him at that particular moment. You know, he was really struggling in a variety of different ways, but everything passes. Look at him now. He looks great. He feels good. He takes care of himself. And the reason why that's important is because if someone is in a good place at the moment and thinks, oh, this conversation about mental health doesn't apply to me, well, remember, everything passes. So if you're in a good place at the moment, you're not necessarily in a good place forever. And maybe the best time to equip yourself for challenge is now. Exactly. And that goes back to so to so many of our guests that have told us, don't get high on your own supply, but don't get too low in your dark moments that I think just navigating your way through it is a sign of great mental health. I'd like to finish with that. There's a famous letter that uh, a lady wrote to Stephen Fry once uh, around her mental health. And he, he responded by talking to her about the sun will shine again one day. And you have to have that hope and belief that thing, things do pass and the sun will shine again for all of us, however dark it might seem at a particular moment in time. That's lovely. Damien, thank you so much.
Thanks, Jake. I love these conversations. It's nice to go back through the archive, but equally nice to reflect on uh, lessons that we can all take away and apply. And if you're listening to this, um, please let this be a reminder to you that all around us, there are people that are finding life tough and they may well be people close to you and you have absolutely no idea that life is a challenge for them. And that's why we always encourage you to ask people twice, how are you? You know, how are you? Ask that to a friend. And when they say, yeah, I'm fine, just follow up with no, like, how are you? And ask them on a scale of one to 10. It's a really great question to ask people on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing? Because I think that you can get the truth out of people. I always think you can also knock a couple of numbers off. So if someone says they're a 10, they're perhaps not. But if someone equally says, oh, I'm a four at the moment, you know, they may well be a two and really struggling. And then that leads to a deeper conversation. And if you're struggling and you want more help, um, please check out jack.org. That's J-A-A-Q.org. We were joined on the podcast by the founder of Jack, Danny Gray. Um, we spoke to him about the fact that People struggling with mental health are not weak. People struggling with mental health are stronger than anybody else because they have to deal with those difficult mental health challenges and get on with their lives. There's also great information to be found from both Mind and also the Mental Health Foundation. There's so much out there. Please don't suffer in silence. Please do speak out. From myself, Damien, and the entire High Performance team, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, there's plenty more to come from High Performance. We'll see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 